0: Well, hey, and welcome to another edition of Simon Mayo's Books of the Year. I am Simon Mayo. I am Matt Williams. And this is one of our Books of the Year, which is John Simpson's Moscow in uh, Moscow Midnight.
1: <laughs> which when, Moscow when, in Midnight, yes.
0: Not, just, just Moscow Midnight.
1: <laughs> Moscow Midnight. As you, you, when you listen to the interview,
0: you'll understand why. Yes, that it's that is, very important that you get yeah. the, the whole emphasis of that. Uh, right, now, <clears throat> here's the most important thing that you need uh, to know our friends and overlords at W. H. Smith, we love them. They've given us a, a fifty-pound voucher to spend in their stores. Wow! It's always like the nicest thing. You know, you used to get uh, at Christmas from your granny or your aunt who didn't know what to get you. They'd give you a book voucher. Yes, they something would. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what we're doing because because uh-huh. we love our audience so much. We've got a fifty-pound. I mean, WH you could Smith spend voucher. it fifty
1: quid on Galaxy bars. Uh, which I see they have quite a lot of in W. H. Smith, but we prefer that you spend the money on a book. I think we ought to say how disappointed would be <laughs> if you it
0: would be a bit like your it. auntie saying, "I want this spent on a book." So here are the conditions, right? If you, if you, if you win, you have to buy my book. <laughs> <laughs> As one Brilliant. of the purchases, yes, yes, and uh, we will want
1: a photograph of yes. you with said book and the receipt uh, and whatever else you are about to
0: afford. Because yeah, Mad Bloodstone is coming out in paperback. Oh, is it? Is it really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, to be in with a chance to win, we would like your best limerick, yes. or poem, or song, or haiku. Though I think. Limerick might work. Limerick's hey. always funnier. Okay. Yes, please. And yeah. it's got to be about your mum. Yeah, about my mum. Because uh, because your mum has come up. This is when we were doing Harry's raises.
1: Yes. I, I, we should explain the genesis of this, which is that uh, whenever one of us says, your face... The other one always replies, your mum's face. Because this is what teenagers it do, is this is what kids do.
0: Yeah. <laughs> absolutely no reason no reason at all. You'd just be saying something and you say they'll say your face. They'll go, does that count as an argument? Because from where I'm sitting, you've just said your face, which means nothing.
1: To which the counter is your mum's face. And so when we were talking about our faces being smooth because of Harry's razors, then your mum's face being smooth as well so basically my mum and my mum is overjoyed about the fact that she's had so many mentions and that she's got a smooth face which indeed she does um, so uh, we want a limerick based around my mum's face can you tell us any,
0: any more facts about her so that we can construct a uh well limerick. she loves her golf there you go her yes. name is Sheila her name is Sheila
1: Sheila take uh, a bow she, Sheila take a bow yeah uh, and uh, loves her golf and has a smooth face does she I'd support befall- Liverpool she does yes yeah, she does support Liverpool so you know she's got that going for her uh, Uh, So everything's pretty good so far. Smooth face, Liverpool, name Sheila. And she does not read any books at all. Uh, In fact, last time I was at her house, um, I, I did comment on the fact that she needs more books on her bookshelf, which at the moment have crossword solvers, and that's it crosswords if only wisdom. if only she had a relative who
0: could supply who could, her with just,
1: books. Who could, who could just give her lots of go- and uh, of course what does she listen to she listened to radio too until i was taken off um so uh what does she listen to now i don't know well Probably, I'll, I'll tell from- you in the <laughs> new year
0: i'll tell you in the new year what radio yes, station yes, she'll be listening no, to no, 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 absolutely <laughs> yes uh so she'll be to t- t- you can just forward it on to her because I think basically everyone will lose interest in Radio Two from I about so. December the twenty first.
1: Yes, yes. If if they hadn't already. Yeah. Um, so yes, uh, that that is something based around that I think.
0: And we will say that the, what the funniest one wins, or the one I like the most. The... Oh right, so it's entirely down to no, you. No, no, no. I think I think you have to, you have forty nine percent of the vote, basically. Uh, <laughs> We could, we could get her on the phone. I don't think that's
1: a good idea. My mother, given the spotlight, goodness me, she'll never give it up. Uh, so I
0: say, let's so basically, just... the one we like the most is yes, basically the way it's yes, going to go. Yes. So what you have to do, if you <clears throat> if you fancy this fifty quid voucher, uh, tweet us your efforts at Books of the Year, or uh, I mean that's obviously very public. But if you want to email them, it's Books of the Year at yahoo.com by midnight on December the twelfth. This is 2018. Obviously, we'll announce the winner in our final show of the year. So, it's a limerick. Yes. Or it can be it can be a poem or it can yeah. be something else. Nothing too long. No, and tedious. We don't <laughs> want any of that. Um by December the 12th at midnight, books of the year at yahoo.com for the email. Or oh, you can tweet us at books of the year, and that's all going to be fine.
1: Yes, I think I can't wait. I'm sure my mother can't
0: wait either. Looking forward to bringing this up on she Christmas should, dinner. She should enter, <laughs> she should enter. So, uh, standing by for John Simpson coming up. Michael Parkinson is going to be up uh, in the next few days talking about his George Best book. Roger Daltrey is going to be up soon with uh, his memoir and Comedian and sort of amateur scientist Robin Ince is going to be with us before Christmas, so we're going to be very busy, and that means that the the, the Q and As will they will be uh, coming along, but they're going you know you're going to have to wait a bit for the Q and A. We'll release them before
1: sort of that Christmas New Year holiday, yes. won't we?
0: It's always nice when you get when podcasts appear Then when yeah, you're bored with home life and all that. Yeah, kind of stuff. when you've had enough of your mother's face. Uh, Joe Jackson, but not that one, says Simon Matten team. You were asking for bits of books that were skipped. Uh, reading to children when my because I always used to skip it. Yeah. when my kids began reading properly but not quite fast enough to move on a story at any great speed we would read the Harry Potter series together they'd read a page or two each and I'd complete the chapter this involved snuggling on the sofa with Katie and Sam probably between the ages of 7 and 10 and it was lovely then we reached Goblet of Fire uh, I felt I had to skip minimising spoilers here of the death of a certain schoolmate uh, in a graveyard, I felt like the torture of Harry and the death of a young person uh, would probably not make a full night's sleep a certainty. So I skipped the chapter, explained what had happened, and we moved on. Maybe I shouldn't have worried as several months later we reached the Deathly Hallows. Another death occurs on a beach outside Shell Cottage. I couldn't finish the page for sobbing, proper snotty tears. (laughs) My daughter removed the book from my hands and continued reading to her brother, What is she made of? Is she made of flint? Well, it (laughs) certainly sounds like it. Sadly, they grow up and we no longer share books in this way as tastes change. In an effort to hold back electronic devices, we've introduced a Wi-Fi free night on a Tuesday. Oh, very good Good idea. Good luck with that. Everyone must be in the lounge with a book for 7pm after Zoe on Strictly. There is no way I'd be able to get that through. Oh, how I'd love to. Quiet reading until 9pm. It's complete bliss. Two hours! Two hours of quiet reading! Even the dog chills out. Loving the show, Steve, it's from Joe Jackson. Who I don't... I don't believe that, that such a thing is that possible. That is Can outstanding you imagine? work. Compulsory reading on a Tuesday night. Two hours. Anyone else got anything... Uh, remotely similar to Joe's operation, uh, you can email books of the year, yahoo.com
1: Yes, Paula tweeted us uh, off the back of Cressida Cowell uh, coming on the show. What a character Cressida is. Could listen to her for hours. So interesting. You must bring her back when her next book is out. In the meantime, I'm buying her titles for both me and the little people in my family. Uh, and Susie Slice and Dice also writes What a strange uh, name What a great name Uh, Emails in fact uh, to booksoftheyear at yahoo.com Dear Simon and Matt just went to leave a five star review and discovered it was a bit of a battle before I could write anything because I had to answer a load of security questions about a certain fruit based ID and password that I never even knew I had Being new to podcasting I've got each show prefixed alphabetically to keep them in the right order on my podcast player and having run out of the 26 letters A to Z, first time round, have now got to ZF Q&A with Ian Rankin. There's probably better ways of doing this, I guess. Advice gratefully received. I don't think you need to keep the episodes afterwards. I... I tend to get rid of them even when, when I've listened to them. Anyway, uh, just a note uh, adds uh, Susie Slice and Dice, just a note on Economy 7. We actually requested an Economy 7 meter this year and the engineer from Siemens was delighted. He said he'd had this meter rattling around in his van for years and his boss kept telling him to chuck it out. He refused, said he'd always knew he'd need it one day, was glad to oblige. Anyway, I love the podcast, looking forward to future developments.
0: And uh, if anyone at Siemens is listening to us and they want to yes. just get involved and sponsor and Yes, and please. Advertise, then and send us an economy seven. That'd well, be great. I don't want an economy seven, actually. My <laughs> oh, really? Boy, my boiler's been fixed. Has it? I had a proper flush. This is okay. the boiler. This, <laughs> this is the boiler. I, I
1: tend to need one works. of those, and it now works. Yes, because yours tend to break down quite a lot. A lot, yes. Yeah.
0: Martin Horton. Uh, this is a, the, we always tweet a picture of us with uh, the authors who come on the show. Martin thinks I look a, a little bit yellow and wonders if my liver is okay. Thank you, Martin, for being concerned, as far as I know. As far as you know, it's, it's probably okay. just bad lighting on the producer's I, Well,
1: I think it is the lighting. Uh, I always look like I'm really... I look like
0: I've just run around the block and then the photo taken. And Colin Udall, uh, honourable mention on the latest Books of the Year podcast from Matt Williams, Simon May, totally made my wet commute so much better. OK. Do you think that's a European yeah. or something? Don't I can only hope. Anyway, thanks, Colin. That. Thank you, Martin. Thanks, everyone, for uh, getting in touch. You can tweet us at Books of the Year. You can email booksoftheyear at yahoo.com, standing by for our big guest. Now, our guest uh, on Books of the Year is John Simpson. Uh, his book is Moscow Midnight. John is the BBC World Affairs editor. And I have to say, John, very welcome to the podcast, by the way. Thank you for joining us. I have to say, just having you in the studio is slightly... Uh, Thrilling, because when I was at Five Live, I mean, I'm still at Five Live doing the movie show, but when I was doing the afternoon show, uh, and it was the kind of second Iraq war, and if we got a call, oh yeah, you drop what you were doing, whatever it was, it could have been a discussion about album releases, or you could have been down in Westminster or something, and you go, we don't know how long we got John for, and you get a, a cue that was fired to you by the uh, by the editor, and you just used to go... Okay, John Simpsons on the line. John, what can you tell us? Which is still to me the greatest ever question ever that you can <laughs> ever ask a foreign correspondent. You would then do your piece. Oh, you are lovely. And then you'd fair. stop and you go, Okay, John, thank you very much. You know. So I was you know, so this is a thrill that you're on the show. <laughs> well, I'm really thrilled
2: to be to be here. That's lovely. Um in the first Gulf War, uh, uh, then we're in nineteen ninety-one, um i was uh that th- i was in baghdad and we were getting bombed every day and the bbc was absolutely useless at cutting to to me i mean i that's music to my ears what you said then um because clearly it wasn't wasn't quite like that, and I remember being in a in a sort of dogfight with with fighters and, uh, and and bombs coming down and, uh, and missiles going up and explosions and everything. And I got on to to uh, five live, I think, and said, "Quick, put me on the air, put me on." And they said, "Well, no, actually, we got the um, the opposition spokesman on education on, and we've just got to finish this." <laughs> and by the time the opposition in space one education finished um the sky was clear the sun was out people were picking up the pieces it was all over
0: yeah. Well, it could have been a horse race or something. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> probably that. Yeah. sorry. It, it could have been anything. Uh, Matt, describe uh, yes. the cover of John's book, Please. OK, so uh, dominant
1: colours here are black and red. And so on a black background, we've got... Now, I'm going to ask your advice here, John. I'm going to guess this is the the uh, national emblem for, for Russia. Is that, is the, that yeah, right? The in... one now. Yes, yes, in, yes. In, in In red. So it's, still, it's
2: still got a crown on it from yes. the old Tsarist days. They brought that back and they, they faffed around about whether they should have... Have a crown, but uh, when they only had a president, uh, an a co- um, ex-communist, or probably not too ex ex-communist president like Putin. But anyway, they, the crown is there, and there it is in 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 red with um, Saint Michael. I think it is uh, in the middle in in gold.
1: Yes, indeed, with John Simpson, Moscow Midnight, picked out in, in, in white. You see,
2: if I may say so, it's Moscow. Comma. Moscow, comma, correct. Yeah. Yes. And I, when people say Moscow midnight, I listen very carefully to hear is the comma in there? <laughs> I don't think the comma was there with either of you. I think, I, I, think
0: I have to say, I think punctuation, spot the English literature student. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> clearly. Punctuation in a title is. Usually wasted. Yep, <laughs> I think a title was wasted. Uh,
1: there frankly, there was. are
0: some film titles, you know, with colons, semicolons, all that kind of stuff. I think yep. it was yeah. just, it's no. just, you know, you're you're, 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 you're too other. much colon stuff, do you really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, so John Simpson's book is Moscow. Midnight. Yay. <laughs> uh, so tell us, take us into the world of uh, of Moscow. Now I'm going to have to pause. <laughs> uh, your book, yes. Take us yep. into the world of, uh, your, of book. your book and introduce us to uh, to John Swift, your your hero. Here.
2: Well, uh, it, th- he bears more than a little passing resemblance to me. Um, he's actually based on another. Colleague of mine, well, two colleagues actually. Um, one physically, and I'm not going to say which one it is because I've I've not been terribly kind about the the sort of bulging stomach and 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 so on, uh, and the food stains down the tie. I mean, I'm not saying that I do not have a bulging stomach and food stains down my tie because I have both. But um, is it Mark Mardell? Well, <laughs> how would I would I'm I? To- <laughs> I'm just guessing. <laughs> so I'll move on. Uh, the, <laughs> um, and the voice and the tone and um, and the general sort of attitude to life was of a, a chap who sadly died, a, a BBC radio correspondent... Um, with the same surname as me, Bob Simpson, uh, some years back now, and I used to spend quite a lot of time uh, with him in Sarajevo in the siege of Sarajevo. He and I were were there together months on end, and um, really, literally. And uh, um, so, I've got his voice in my in my head when I'm writing, but I have the Mark's general sort of uh, um, um, you know body body shape uh, as he was before he lost lots and lots of weight, uh, and of course it's me as well. Um, so it's all three of us really, a sort of cocktail.
0: Yes, and and but when we start the book, we find him in a in a surprising place. He's very much down on his luck. In fact, he's uh, he's a thief basically because he doesn't pay his bill, and he's uh, he's in a restaurant. In Paris, and he decides to make a break for it because he's. So, how come he's down on his luck? He's.
2: Um, he starts to uh, investigate the 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 death of a friend of his, and this all every every bit of this book, actually, with one single exception, is based on 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 something that either happened to me or to a friend of mine. And the the person who died was a colleague of of mine who became an MP. Um, Stephen Milligan, Tory MP, and in 1994, he died, uh, you you may still remember, a really sordid death. He was found naked on his kitchen table with a a bag over his head and an orange in his mouth with um, some chemical injected into it. And he had supposedly strangled himself for, for sexual gratification. I knew Stephen so well. And I was so fond of him. I never, never, never believed... Believed it? I couldn't. Well, I at least at first I just thought um, this isn't the Stephen I knew. He was a bit innocent, actually. I mean, I wouldn't have known then. I still don't know how you get the chemical to inject the how you you know do the noose and everything. I mean, he must have been really kind of schooled into this, and and he was just he was a church-going straight guy. And of course, everybody laughs if you say that. But he he really was. He had a very charming uh, fiance whom he was going to marry. Quite soon, and then suddenly does this. But I thought, well, you—you you never know. You can't tell about people. I mean, you, Simon, could be—you know—involved in all sorts of strange
1: practices. I—I I, I suppose, I suppose I could. <laughs> wow! <laughs> this went down an avenue I wasn't I expecting. There it was a me. bit of a
0: pause there, didn't you think? <laughs> that, was a, yeah, um, that, was, that was a comma. Nice. That was a comma, <laughs> not a pause. It was a comma. It was a punctuation there. <laughs> anyway,
2: I I did, I did. thought, you know, uh, who knows? Um, and then I met his old editor from when he had been a correspondent in, in Russia, his old foreign editor, and I said to him, isn't it dreadful? And he said, yeah, what, you mean the mur- Stephen's murder? And I said, "No, well, I mean, no, it was a sex game that went wrong." And he said, "Well, you'd be amazed how many of these sex games that go wrong that the Russians fix up for people they don't like." Now, I'm not saying that happened to Stephen Milligan MP. I've, I've no idea. I'd never investigated it. I'm no no. But this book is predicated on the possibility that an MP. Who died in this way was set up by the Russians. Long way round uh, of saying to you, he um, uh, the the Russians start all sorts of stuff on him, which I won't tell you about, and he has to leave the country in a hurry. And uh, the only way he can just live uh, in any kind of existence is to park himself in the basement of a of a block of flats. In Paris, and he comes out um, every mealtime, just about, and uh, has a way of robbing um, the the, uh, the the restaurants and cafes that he works in. And the the method is uh, is something that uh, a, a man I knew, not really a friend of mine, I knew a real old crook who used to explain to me how you how you do it.
0: Yes, it was a very interesting. Uh, have, you, have you thought of uh, <laughs> Have you thought of doing it? I mean,
2: you make quite a decent living out of it. Simon. So,
0: so, so, John, John Swift thinks he's onto something. He thinks that uh, in in your book, it's an MP called Patrick McCready, mm. uh and he suspects he suspects that this is not uh, the death as advertised. He suspects the Russians uh, are behind it. In coming up with your uh, your scenario here, John, in coming up with your sort of modus operandi, why did you why did you pick Russia? Could you have picked China or Saudi well, or?
2: Yeah, I, I, uh, Chinese don't don't really operate like that. Um, uh, I mean, they, they the Chinese are really kind of quite klutzy and they're not not used to the ways of a of a of a, of a first world country. I mean, they're terribly good at. At, at nicking secrets and um but they're not they're not good at the kind of manipulation of public opinion and all of that sophisticated stuff uh I don't think there's anyone else, really any other. A country that would, would do it. I I wrote all this. I mean, I wrote the book, oh, I don't know, nearly, two, well, I started writing it nearly two years ago and long before the Skripal case in, in Salisbury or, or any of that when really the Russians, I mean, people knew the Russians did all this kind of thing because, of course, uh, you, you couldn't avoid it. But um, uh, it wasn't quite as sort of in your face as it is now that the book's come out. So I was quite kind of annoyed, really, that, that, that it wasn't a, um, a, you know, it looked as though I just kind of thought, oh, that's script, I'll care, that's a good, album. That's I'll base my book on that but I mean what can you do and it it does give it extra
1: verisimilitude I think. I think definitely it it lends that um, topicality as well I'm I'm particularly interested here in in the sort of two sides of John Simpson because John Simpson the thriller writer needs as every thriller needs it needs a formidable opponent and that is what you have in the Russian state and the FSB. In this book. But I'm also interested in in John Simpson, the World Affairs editor, because we had um, Ben McIntyre on the podcast a few episodes ago with his book, The Spy and the Traitor. And a uh, resonant theme that came from that was that we always thought the KGB was this all knowing, all seeing organization, all powerful organization. And yet, What came through in that story, and Oleg Gordievsky makes a passing appearance in in your book, but what actually comes through is that they are pretty incompetent and full of time servers and uh, nobody will admit to making mistakes and therefore the organisation doesn't learn. So, although the FSB needs to be this all-powerful organisation in your thriller... I'm interested in what your 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 take is on the Russian state as it is at the moment, because it is very much seen as this. You know, they've had significant victories with the um, uh, meddling in in elections, both here and in and in the United States. The Sergei Skripal case you mentioned as well. But is it overstated? Do you feel that the Russian are getting of being built up by everyone? When really, how how much uh, power do they really have? it's a it's a a lovely question it's something which i've i've
2: kind of tried to spend a bit of time explaining to people in in broadcasts and and everything else you're absolutely right about it um it's it's a a, a shambling Wreck of a of a country, a, a a shadow of its former strength under the Soviet Union, when it was a superpower. Now it's a you know it's 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 got a rotten economy. Uh, it's a, a, a much smaller than it was physically and in population terms, but it's got one thing. It's got a really clever president, and Vladimir Putin is a uh he's a kind of uh he's a sort of magician really actually what he's more like is i don't know they don't seem to have it anymore but when i was younger um it, you'd go down some uh, fairly kind of rough street in london and the chances were you'd you'd find a group of people gathered round a table with a bloke with three glasses or cups or something or another on it in one of those cups, there was a ball or a uh, um, a dice or something like that. And he'd be shifting them around with his hands. And people would be putting fivers down on which of the, the, the cups contained the ball. And of course, they always got it wrong, because he was so clever. And that's what Putin is. He's not a great genius. He's just a really clever. He's clever at, at the sort of prestidigitation, if that's the right word, of fiddling around with, the, with with things. He gives people the impression he's far stronger and that his country is far far stronger than it was. He's he than it is. He grabbed hold of Crimea in 2014 against all. Uh, international treaties and and everything and when he thought that the pressure from the west uh might might uh, be a threat to him he caused lots of trouble in east ukraine trouble that's still going on to this to this day he's always he's doing something with one hand and he's doing to attract your attention while with the other he's doing the real business and the real business for him in that case was crimea and all the stuff about Ukraine was just was just business that 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 other people were watching. He's um, he's by far the most brilliant performer on the world stage. Well, mind you, when you think about Donald Trump and poor, uh, you know, um, uh, Theresa May, I mean, that's not exactly great competition. But he's 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 brilliant. He's also, well. He's not unattractive as a person, and I, I've written some of that in the book about my own meetings with him and his his uh, his ways of doing these things. But um, you know, he's he's um, he's a, an operator. He's
0: not he's not a great politician, but he's a really clever operator. Just on that, though, John, you can't paper over the cracks forever, can you? And he might be a, a great magician, but if you've got a declining economy and uh, a shambling state sooner or later that's going to come to the fore isn't it well you would you would think so you might
2: actually hope so i mean i i you know personally i've got quite a few friends uh in the in the in the uh, the russian opposition and i'd love to see them i mean r- serious people, decent, serious people who would fit in perfectly well with with Western politicians. So, yeah, I'd love to see them come to power, him failing. I just don't not sure it's going to happen he's he's given don't forget how humiliated russia was in the after the fall of communism everybody was 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 sort of down on them and you know the economy utterly collapsed people were begging openly in the streets which had never happened since the since the 20s really uh in russia and suddenly um he comes along And he tells them they're the greatest again. And what's more, he gets back the absolute prime bit of real estate in Crimea, which they'd really regretted losing. He's going to be coasting on that for a long time to come.
0: We're talking to John Simpson. His book is Moscow, Midnight. There you go. (laughs) See? It's in there. And we'll talk more with John in just a second. It's Books of the Year and John Simpson is with us. His book is Moscow, Comma Midnight. Uh John is the BBC World Affairs editor, Matt.
1: Yes, I uh, we, we have touched on this briefly at the start, John, but I, I just want to dig a little deeper if we can. Your main character is John Swift. Shares the same initials as you. And as you've already said, based on um other correspondents you've known, but you you would admit there is a little bit of you in there. And oh, more than I'd, a little. Exactly. Which brings me to my question: If you were to, if you talk to um, John Cleese about Basil Fawlty or David um, Ricky Gervais about David Brent, they will tell you that is me minus one aspect of my personality. So, uh, where Ricky Gervais talks about David Brent, he says, "Me without self-awareness, I am David Brent," and John Cleese will say something similar about that with Basil Fawlty. And I wonder when you were coming up with John Swift. Which you say, obviously, there's a lot of you in there. Was there an aspect of you you that you added? And you said, this is what I would be like if I were more X? Or was there something that you took away? There's something I took away. And it's really
2: important to me. Um, I don't want to be too kind of um, smarmy about it, but it's my wife and my young son, who's now uh, 12. Um, And... um, I, I'm actually a very happy person. I, I've got loads of uh, loads of problems. Who hasn't got loads of problems? And if you work for the BBC, you've got even more problems. And I've I've got all of that. Um, but I've got a really happy home home life, and I live a, a very pleasant. Existence and this poor old John Swift—he—he—he uh, he, he doesn't, you know. He lives in a in a shack, and uh, and uh, there's always, you know, there's sort of kind of dirty clothes around and unwashed dishes. Well, um, you know, I mean, there would be if I was on my own, <laughs> but I fortunately am not.
0: Is there? Uh, you talk about being being happy, John. but I, I wonder if there's um, <laughs> the, there there is an element of. Um, Institutional revenge going on here in your writing, isn't there? In as much as I hope so. There's a bit, <laughs> there's a, yep. There is a bit of score settling. There's enormous. <laughs> score.
2: Well, can I tell you what happened? I um, we, we, the BBC got a new head of news in I think 2013. I was really riding high. I was a sort of top top guy uh, in, in BBC Foreign News. Um, and then I started to notice two things. One that I wasn't going anywhere much. I wasn't traveling anywhere. I've been uh, I, when I came up with ideas. No, somehow or another, somebody else was uh, was had thought of it first. Um, somebody would be better than me to do it. Well, these things happen. Then I also noticed that my pay was being cut quite quite um, uh, drastically. And I realised uh, very slow uh, because I'm a, I'm a dope. Um, very slowly that uh, I you know this new boss was trying to get rid of me. I was I was kind of off sighted by if that's the word by uh, the fact that he was always telling me how fantastic I was and how important I was to the BBC um, while uh, earning less and less and. Um, uh, and I realised after a while um, that, I, you know, I was just being sort of pushed to the edge so that either I would fall off the edge or else I'd, I'd say, bugger you and jump. And I learned uh, actually quite an important thing. If you're be- in, the, in the modern um, uh, bureaucratic world that we live in, they can't actually sack you if you don't turn up to the meetings. And um, I used to get these messages saying, you know, that, that, that there would be a, a meeting to discuss your case, you know. I was a case um, uh, at such and such a time. And I just, I, I wouldn't turn up. And so it just prolonged it. But at the same time, I realised I was a, probably on my way out. I was going to have to find another another in, in way of earning a living Um and 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 b that you know um this was this was starting to be imminent, so i wrote I wrote this book well i wrote I wrote a book which was about the b b c and about somebody like me that that you know is getting shoved out and then he has problems with the russians and and all the rest of it. I mean the basic plot was was there, and I'd got it written. And uh, I was coming up to the what, what looked like an inescapable meeting uh, um, and I was reading the newspaper one morning uh, over my toast and tea and um, by uh, some irony it was a newspaper that this chap used to be the editor of and there at the bottom of page 29 or something was a quarter-inch five lines that said that he was giving up the role of being head of news for the BBC. And he was going to, you know, whatever it is, spend more time with his family or, um, uh, you know, involve himself in new new, uh, um, um, new adventures and things. Um, so after I'd sort of calmed down a bit from running around the room shouting and, and yelling, I thought, Yes, uh, but uh, his successor will be a a good friend of mine from way, way back, a sort of traditional BBC person who won't, I think, want to get rid of me. And I've written this book. So it took me two months of fairly careful grafting, but um, anyway, it's, it's Sky News, it's not the BBC.
0: Uh, and that's the organisation that John Swift is kind of yeah, John Swift is working for a, like a version a version, of, of, sky a version news, of sky with a version of Rupert Murdoch yeah, in the background yeah. with his picture on the wall that's,
2: well his picture isn't on the wall in in in, in reality yes. but I, I just couldn't i, I couldn't kind of write, think of a newsroom that i of, of an organisation i dislike not i don't dislike sky news i like it a lot but you know in my mind my my version of a newsroom had yes. to have a sort of picture of the founder like stalin on the wall
0: so so John Swift's boss, Daniel Porchester, mm. that's your boss who is now running his own website I couldn't possibly comment on a like that I mean uh,
2: that's an outrageous suggestion to make and I, I uh, but yes
1: <laughs> yeah, but, but yes I, I, a big um, plus for me from this book is, is the sense of authenticity particularly when we get into Russia because uh, me and Simon were talking about this before uh, we came on air but if John Simpson the author is telling you how it looks and smells when you get on the underground <laughs> in Moscow then that's pretty much how it is I, I want to ask you about something that you I think is one of your characters. I don't think it's, it's John says this, but it's one of the other characters. And I, and I want to, you, you just to explain a little bit more about it. They say that, um, contrary to our uh, suspicions in, in the West, people can say what they want in Russia. They just can't do what they want in Russia. I, I just want you to talk a little bit more about it. Well, that. I mean, I'd, I'd forgotten i I'd have written that, but uh, that is that is exactly what I
2: what I think is the case. I mean, you know, I used to spend a lot of time in the old Soviet Union, um, and apart from anything else, was that just that heavy weight. It wasn't exactly fear. It was you knew that if you did something that the state didn't like, not only you, but everybody would suffer. Now, you're not going to be locked up in a labor camp for the rest of your life, but it'll suddenly become really difficult for your son or daughter to get to university you've your your uncle or your auntie will want a job in some quite important uh, um you know sort of part of the a part of the bureaucracy and will suddenly find um actually they're not going to get it after all there's a there was the state could punish you in ways that weren't cruel or or personal or well personal certainly but physical um that's all vanished now and so when you go there people or people will grumble endlessly to you especially in a place like moscow which where there is a more sense of personal freedom and st petersburg the same when you get out in in the sticks they're more um a little bit more careful more old fashioned but uh, you know they know they know that that nobody's that nobody's going to come round and and do them, and the state doesn't run anything, everything now like it used to. So, you know, if you want a, a um, some sort of job or you want a university place, um, you'll 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 get it. You don't have to keep your nose clean as far as the government's concerned in that in that way. Um, and it that 's had a big effect on on the way that people are and the openness with which people behave. I mean, when I used to go to Moscow, particularly in the in the seventies um, anybody that spoke to a foreigner had to be had to know what they were getting into because somebody could inform on them and uh, they could be in in real trouble um now you know everybody speaks to everybody. There's and it's it feels like a different country, but it's still got a rather unattractive system.
0: What are you going to be working on next, John? And apart from BBC affairs, are you going to? Well, carry I've on? got
2: another one of these to write. I've uh, I've got another uh, another thriller to write, which will be about China. In fact. Um, and uh, another country where I've got a, a, a there's a sort of basic crime at the head of it. You know, I've I've been I've been really so lucky um, over the years. I've I've kind of managed to, um, you know, the BBC sent me to places where I met all sorts of really really interesting and useful people. And there's a man, there was a man, well still alive in China called Bo Lai, who was. Tipped for the absolute top job, the one that Xi Jinping now has, and um, something well, things started to happen to him, and his his wife uh, got accused of murdering a British businessman. Well, she may have done it for all I know, and uh, he was he's in in jail as a, as a, as a result for the rest of his life. And she was lucky not to be executed. And um, you know, I know, I know, I'll. Boshilai, and I liked him a lot but um I I liked him real anglophile he used to wear these amazing suits from from uh, uh G- from German Street and um I, I mean, my novel's going to be a, about him and it's going to be very heavily based on my own experiences just like Moscow comma midnight yeah, nice done um, but it's um you know it,
0: it, then it it sort of goes goes beyond. Uh, John Simpson, thank you very much indeed for coming in. We appreciate your time. John Simpson's book is Moscow Midnight. John, thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. So thanks to uh, John Simpson for coming in. He was pretty open about who he was, because I hadn't realised which particular BBC employees. No, I just guessed that, you know, a larger than life correspondent. Yeah, It was obviously a bingo shot there. (laughs) Okay. Um, So thanks, John, for coming in. Uh, Stand by because our next guest coming, and the podcast will be with you in a, a few short days, will be none other than Sir Michael Parkinson. Oh, my. Talking about George Best.